1: Everyone, welcome to Group Text. My guest today is authentically himself, even though he shares his name with one of literature's most gifted writers. Toni Morrison, with a Y, is a journalist and now the senior communications director for GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. His interview series, Truth Be Told, returned February 2nd across Plus Life media platforms as well as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. New episodes are released every Thursday. Please welcome to Group Text, Tony Morrison. Um, I'll get to truth be told in a moment, but I want to start with this. Um, during the pandemic, you published a very, very personal essay on the Good Morning America website about your HIV diagnosis eight years earlier. It's incredibly moving and incredibly insightful into the world of people living with HIV. You know, we're all in lockdown and all what at that moment made you actually put, I would say, pen to paper or fingers to keyboard?
0: Totally. Well, first of all, thanks for having Tony with a Y Morrison on (laughs) with you this this week. And yeah, I mean, just to take myself back to that time in lockdown we i think we all kind of relate in a sense that we had to face ourselves in some way you know and for me it was really a time you know as a as an out gay new yorker go 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 how many places I, can I be in, in one evening? And, and all of that came to an end, came to a stop. And I really had to face all of the things, the emotions, the conversations with myself, the questions for myself, um, all the things I swept under the rug and would, quote, deal with later. That's what I was faced with. And I really came to a point to where I was like, wow, like, we are facing, facing such physical loss, like loss of our social lives, our routines, like- like actual physical loss death from covid and that just reminded me of you know in relationship to my hiv status the the the, the folks we have the communities of people we have lost to hiv and how how i am here and i'm so sad about my life which is i'm perfectly healthy to be honest my status is the most managed thing in my life. So how could I be so sad about this life that I have this diagnosis that I had and, um, and still, you know, mourn those people that I've lost. I really kind of owed it to the people that we've lost to really prop myself back up and to live life.
1: Well, and you have an incredible life.
0: Totally. And I'm like, man, like i i i again like I really felt like I, I I came to a place where I owed it to the people who weren't here anymore, who didn't get to live their lives. I need to live mine at the least,
1: so to the fullest so in your essay, you talk about that the diagnosis came sort of right on the heels of you officially coming out um do you think that that made sharing the diagnosis? even harder because, I mean, you say, hi, mom, I'm gay. Oh, by the way. And let me just preface this with most single people, when you say, oh, by the way, is followed by I've met someone.
0: Yeah, correct. I mean, this is also not even that long ago. This was back in 2013, my diagnosis. And yeah, I moved to New York at the end of 2012, and here I am, this bright, bushy-eyed 20-something, moving to New York City to find themselves and to be gay and to do all the things that are, are fun in life. And uh, I came out shortly after moving to New York, and then a few months, probably six months after, um, I got this diagnosis, and I was like, "Man, it's back into the the closet." You know, I I was trying to be my fullest and authentic self. And I was ushered back in really in a time where conversations like this did not take place, you know?
1: And to balance it, you were at the beginning of a career that was skyrocketing.
0: Yeah it was it was all hands on deck for the career that i didn't even know that i wanted i fell into television by accident i moved to new york for photography i wanted to be a, a vogue photographer and i ended up working at cnn and good morning america and 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 getting into television and producing tv and news and that was my focus and i i i, I you know when i say i kind of swept the rest under the rug it was to really make sure i excelled in that part of my life
1: you know, you shared something very, very personal with the world and it takes a lot of courage. Did you, you know, I always think about like my inner circle and my family and I always obviously let them know things before they become public. Yeah. With something like that, how much did you prep your family saying, oh, by the way, this is going to come out and everyone around you is going to have a lot of questions.
0: Well, I will say, you know, in the eight years from the diagnosis to me sharing this story, it was an obvious pain point for me. And it was so hard to share with my inner circle. I think I could count on on both hands how many people knew about my status over those eight years. And I will say sharing with mom was something I did not do and prep ahead of time. I tried so many times over so many visits and birthdays and holiday dinners and every time I would start to say something and start that conversation, just nothing would come out. I that's the one thing that I don't re- I don't really regret not doing, but I just physically couldn't have a conversation with mom. And so I, I just figured in spirit of ripping off the band-aid, if the whole world is going to find out anyway, obviously mom is going to as well. So I Apparently, one of my mom's friends sent her uh, the story uh, when it broke. And then two days later, my mom, I get this text from her. Do you have anything to tell your mother? (laughs) (laughs) Question.
1: Anything you want to share?
0: Literally. And I will tell you, it was it was equal parts uh, horrific, but also relieving because I had finally done something to make myself face this last hurdle in in this story, even though this is out there in the world and people's calling me for interviews. And I was like, this is crazy. Now I need, really need to take care of this at home. And I will tell you, Melissa, that was when I did jump on the phone with mom, that was the thing that set me free in all of this. I I think that we don't give enough credits. We don't give enough credit to our parents, you know, and and the lives that they've lived before us, you know, and she just met me with love. And I will never forget that conversation. And she was, she told me that she read the article three times and that she could not believe what a strong son she raised to have dealt with and t- taken care of all that I did in the way that I did. And then we have a new, no more secrets policy in the household. So it's it's a wild journey, but I, I think that that for me and withholding that and really holding myself to a corner eventually was the way I I needed to cope with that.
1: It feels like to me, just listening to you, that was the real first moment of living your truth. Cause sometimes you have friends or like for me, when my parents were alive or with my son, once I have to tell them something, it's real.
0: Yeah, totally. And Nail on the head. There were two days that passed from my story coming out to that conversation with mom. I really did not get a full rested night's sleep until after that conversation with mom. It's the it's the conversation and, and the piece that really put me back together again. And she shared some medical things that happened to her that I didn't even know about. So I was like, what the hell, mom? Like, what? Like, what? So it's we're better for it. And yeah, I'm, I'm the incredibly happy and the happiest ever. And in the end, yeah, mom fixed
1: me. Which is so lovely. And I love the fact that your first reaction though is how could you have not told me about blah, 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 (laughs) blah. You know what I mean? Like really you're keeping secrets from me.
0: She's like trying to one up me and I'm just like, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) What's this about? But that's, that's that's my mom.
1: Why do you think it is so hard for people to, and I, I find this such a confusing statement, um, to live their truth.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think that shame has a lot of power, you know, we're told, uh, we're, we're told to live a certain way, whether it's the media we consume or the circles that we're in. And I think that, um, You know, I was reading some Brene Brown recently that kind of unpacked this, and um, a lot of us when we're faced with surviving or just trying to live life, we end up finding places or people or things to numb the pain, but when you're numbing the pain and you're trying to diminish that pain and shame, you're also diminishing your light, So when you are, you know, putting yourself down, you're putting your whole self down. And I think that as a society, we've kind of normalized just trying to get by and trying to be like everybody else when our truth is the best part of who we are. It makes us who we are. And really, it makes us connect in ways we wouldn't have imagined, like conversations like this. Right. Who knew? You know,
1: what's so interesting to me is also the fact that so here you are, you're this hot young producer over at Good Morning America and ABC News and, you know, one of the, and I hate using it, one of the golden children, like they see the future for you. It had to be terrifying to think, okay, I might be also putting on some levels my career at risk, but you actually ended up gaining a lot of respect from ABC News and they had you spearhead. I just want to make sure I get this right. The creation of the news network's first employee research group for the LGBTQ plus journalists and allies.
0: Yeah, I mean, did that catch you by
1: surprise? I mean, and this is a big corporate, publicly owned company.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, the journey to becoming the chief gay at ABC News (laughs) is quite something. Let me tell you,
1: they have a lot of competition. You got Robin Roberts.
0: Totally. and and you
1: know, that was part of
0: this matrix of just kind of being in television, trying to sit in the back of the room and learn and trying to 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 blaze my own trail in some way. And really kind of what started is a few years into my first few years at at ABC and GMA, um, they wanted to produce something with the Pride Parade. And it was on a Sunday. So nobody, nobody wanted to work it. And then they assigned really a a few individuals that were not of the community to go and just do a Facebook live, you know, at the, Pride parade. And then I was like, okay, it's, first of all, the pride parade is not something you have to, you you're able to go out and go live from. No. So I, no,
1: why. no, bad, it's bad, actually bad in New York. So
0: not for a major news network, like bad,
1: this bad on call. paper does not
0: look <laughs> correct. So I was like, damn it. Like let the gays produce their month, their event. And, and that was around the time. We're also just starting to click like, wow, there's so much we can do around content storytelling and sharing of experiences like ours that didn't exist at the time. So fast forward, we ended up producing, really I just, I, I stole a couple anchors and, and cameras and TVUs and we just made a show. And the network came back and was like, what is this show you made? Did you not have resources to do it? And I'm like, <laughs> no, of course not. And um, that's also around the time streaming kind of took off. And so ever since then, they started to resource us with the Heritage Months and really help us tell our stories. And you know, there's a careful balance between what issues you can or opinions you can share and be a journalist. But you know, LGBT issues really are are actually not issues at all. It's people's lives and and how we exist. And I think we struck a really smart balance with that at ABC. And the Chief Gay was born. <laughs>
1: Which, Out of that. I mean, that's such a, a years from now, people and young journals <laughs> are going to look back and be like, I want to be like him. Doesn't that seem it's,
0: odd when you're in it? It's so crazy because you're working so hard and a lot of times I look back and I was like, wow, that was not a nice conversation I had, but things had to be said. But look at us now we are Emmy nominated. I still say we, by the way, uh, Emmy nominated for so many shows for inclusion. I brought the network, the, their first GLAAD awards, you know, and you know, that eventually I, and I, that brought me to, you know, working at GLAAD now where I can tell these stories full time. And then with the team at Plus Life they came to me with this, um, this storytelling idea to help other people tell their truth. So it's kind of dominant effect, really in the same way that I have moved to New York and kind of just had one idea of what I wanted to do and ended up doing a litany of other things. I've always been that person to just take the, the next right step and let the universe do the rest. And there's definitely that threaded into how i was able to tell my story and then like working at abc i was overseeing digital and social media and here i am telling these these queer stories right and then my own story wasn't out there so going into covid that was already on my mind but the pandemic and lockdown really locked it in that this was something i needed to not only deal with but to share with the world and inspire others because how i lived in secret and shame for eight years is something I don't wish on anybody. I
1: mean, it's unfathomable to me. I mean, that- I look
0: like a happy guy, you know. I, 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 not that I put on a face, but it was definitely one of those things where you go out with friends and or dinners, or whatever, and you get home and you're incredibly lonely and oh. sad, it's and a different version of yourself.
1: Oh, and you're like, it's always lurking. It's yeah. always lurking in the back totally. of your mind.
0: And then there's a layer of working in TV and media and having to keep that persona and reputation and. Of all things a morning show, you know, everyone's happy all the time. Yeah. And it's um it weighed on me for a long time. Um, but I'm I'm happy about where things are now. So, and my mission today is to make sure again that I just really want to inspire others not to live that way because there is more of us where no one is alone in in in, in this and their journey.
1: So truth be told, starting at second season, you've got Woo. stories from people who have lived their lives authentically and on their terms. I, I think I understand obviously now why you chose that as your mission statement. Yeah. Who what guest so far has surprised you the most?
0: Hmm. Great question. Well, I will preface this with it really has become I was nervous going in because I was very much a producer coming up in TV and media, not like a on-air, on-camera person. So I went at it with 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 not hesitation, but a, a balance of optimistic caution um i really all of my my trans guests have been really shocking in the best way to me you know that's i again i wanted to to invite people to tell their stories because i told mine and i was like there has to be more out there that feel this fleeting feeling this fleeting feeling when their truth and and their story is out there but to our trans community there's so much that I don't know myself of being a a queer person an out gay man working at glad, like I'm chief gay status, you know, there's so much that I don't even know about our community. And here are people and voices and stories that are teaching me. Um, I will say Cassandra James, who's uh, in general hospital is in this, this next season, this next slate really excites me. It's really awesome. And she, how she described um, her experience was transform or die as a, as a trans person. And that just like hit me like a ton of bricks when she said it. And I think that just contextualizes how, how not only trans people and then the community just want to exist, but how the LGBTQ plus community have just really wanted to, exist like everyone else, whether it's getting blood like everybody else, getting married like everybody else, getting divorces like everybody else. You know, it's it's this appeal for existence that really has moved me. Um, Eureka O'Hara from We're Here, um, Drag Race alum. Really, this whole slate also is just a bunch of friends talking with each other, conversations with friends, and I'm really excited for it. But especially my my trans guests, I really opened my eyes and I hope that that does the same for everyone who listens in
1: Transformer die works across every community that's like life advice
0: absolutely i mean just you can apply that too to me anything and my story you know like what if i didn't pen that essay you know not that i think about that often but like where would i be right now if i didn't write all that down if i just kept the lid on things you know where where could we be if we did share our story and are the light in the world by just existing, but also on the other side, allowing people that room to exist too.
1: Absolutely. So you have said, and I hate having to quote you at you, our story because <laughs> it's always just like you know what you said. Um, our stories are superpower, and it, it is our superpower, and it reminds me, um, it's reminiscent of of Studs Terkel recording the histories of different people who are involved in, like, one central idea and one moment in history. Um, Is that what's kind of behind your interview-based style of storytelling? Or am I getting way too deeply intellectual other than, I just want to make a really entertaining show? (laughs) No.
0: I will say the entertaining piece is so secondary to me just wanting to get under the hood of someone's thinking and experience. And when I say, when you quote me on your story as your superpower, what I really mean is out of all the things in life that we that push pull in life across so many layers, the one thing that no one can take from us are our stories. It's the one thing that no one can tell us how something went or how we felt or what that experience was. And that's why it's our superpower because it's ours to tell. And it's ours to tell the people who we trust that story with.
1: Um, but you're, <laughs> you're a journalist at heart. And um, the sh- like the show of foundation, one of the things they do is record the history of all living Holocaust survivors because they're dying so fast. And the only book that, I mean, I know there's other books, but the sort of, most well-known book about the beginnings of the AIDS crisis and the whole evolution of the gay community was, and the band played on, um, as a journalist, do you have any desire to start taking down these stories and yet still be able to save them for posterity, but also be able to record people who are living it now, not just in hindsight. Yeah, I that's And by the way, if this turns into a book, I have <laughs> I get a royalty. I have set it on air. <laughs> my boyfriend is a lawyer. This will st- stand up. So don't even try and cut me out. I'm just Oh,
0: my goodness. I'm just well, we putting that out first. there it's, yes. on the it's on the record. If you run with this,
1: I get a I get I get points.
0: Uh, That's so funny. And I've been (laughs) nudged by a few people to get to book writing and I'm just like, with what time, with what time you guys. Yeah. But no, I think that's a beautiful way to, to put it and contextualize it. And we should always be honoring the shoulders that we are on. Right. We should always be remembering what happened and, and really that informs where we're going. But I, I, I think that on, on the same coin also is, is really just helping move those stories forward. You know, a, a lot of what we're seeing again, I have to, to reference the, the blood donation stuff because up until recently came well, ex- in, couldn't, couldn't ex- give blood at like, all, but
1: explain to people that, cause I did read that, that. Yeah. Story.
0: So out of the HIV AIDS crisis of the eighties, um, when testing capacity didn't exist at all and HIV was a scary thing. Um, the gay men were were barred from giving blood at all and over the years or the decades the fda you know who who makes these guidelines they have loosened restrictions and 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 deferrals for for gay and bisexual men specifically the fda had ended up loosening loosening it from 12 months to 3 months um saying that gay or bisexual men have to abstain from having sex at all for 12 months or 3 months before being able to give blood and here we are up until the pandemic where these rules were still in place and it was it really became discriminatory because it really just harkened back to the the scare and fear of the hiv aids crisis of the 80s science and testing capacities today we can detect hiv and blood within 10 days why are we saying gay men who are sexually active can't give blood for up to three months to a year when other countries also have no i have just recently removed their, their restrictions altogether. So I, I mentioned that I bring that up because yes, we have to honor the past and inform ourselves where we're going for the future and honor that. But we have to also be cognizant of not fearing the past in the present, because I think that's also what bleeds into shame and keeps people out of their own light because they're afraid of what society has whispered to them about, fill-in-the-blank issue they've been going through. So honor the past, but be present when you're celebrating in the present, too. Um, and I think that's that's what will really change is re- really being able to, to talk in that way.
1: You know, and I, I always think about my son. Kids are growing up, and, and my son is now 22 um, and lives, you know, college during the pandemic and all that stuff, and and living in this crazy cancel culture and you can't say this and you can't say that and you know I used to say to him when they would hear to be talking about safe spaces it'd be like let me explain something to you the world's not a safe space so get over it um how do you teach them positivity because most of the things he's seen since he was a teenager has been really grim I mean, starting yeah. with the loss of my mom, and that was, he was 12 turning 13. So all of his teenage years between, you know, just the environment and then COVID and then this and, and horrible race relations and all this, he's been, there's been so much negative coming at him his whole life. And I he's hear a you. Big, and I and feel he, like there's like... And he's a very happy kid. But <laughs> how, how do we teach them positivity.
0: I mean, I feel like there's a new asteroid about to hit the earth every two weeks also. So there's that. Yeah. But I feel you. I think that it's it's really about finding and surfacing positive conversations. And I hope that truth be told is part of that and outputting positive conversations and, and stories and experiences into this mix of doom and gloom. I would say that the positivity and optimism is out there. Um, What we're really seeing is people who are coming forward with their experiences and want to be seen in the world. So it's how we should respond is to just specifically on the pronouns, but, you know, if someone corrects you or if you're in a position where you want to ask for pronouns, it's apologizing if you need, thanking, acknowledging, moving on. You know, I think that we just have to be more chill with the conversations we have with each other. And sure, if you're in a room or presentation or a group where they want to say to IAS plus Q, <laughs> you know, there's probably a reason how that group ended up there, because there are individuals that were rep- wanted to be represented and seen in a way that they really didn't a few years ago by volume all up front it's a lot and i think what we'll see is just people who will come forward with different experiences that don't have a name don't have a label you know um and i think that's just we have that's something we have to keep in the back of my mind is not totally dismissing that volume that barrage but really acknowledging you know who are who are these individuals And what are some ways to contextualize those stories? That's what I was kind of working at at doing at ABC. Like here is this group of people who's not very understood. Let's tell their stories, you know. And I'm trying to do the same now with the with Truth Be Told with the Plus
1: Life team. And and you are, but you just brought up pronouns. Yeah. Which makes me crazy. (laughs) Okay. Because let me have it. Okay. No. First of all. I understand using the correct pronoun for how somebody presents, you get to pick he or she. I'm all good about that. But I started to think about the fact that he and she, if we want to be very elevated about that, have do not represent someone's sexual preference. Sure. Right? So when did a pronoun become a way to announce someone's sexual preference when what we're supposed to be acknowledging is how you're viewed as a, what what sex you're viewed at. But I really have problems with this because probably I'm always fucking up.
0: Yeah, I think that's, first of all, put me on the group text. Whenever you have a question, text me, I got you. I think that, again, I'm going to bring in the term Shame here. I think we self shame when we think we we fuck things up or we are going to offend somebody or we don't want to we don't want to get canceled. You know, I think that when we approach situations, the key is that there is not the same applicable label for everyone, you know, and there is an expanding Selection of, of alphabet letters, I'll put it that way, because there are more people who feel more confident that their experiences and stories are going to be heard. Right. But I, on the other side of this, I will say that there's, there's different dimensions of existence. So there is sexual orientation which we are all very used to, and gender identity. and then gender expression, how we you know how we express um, outwardly show. Uh, to people, and I think that those those are three three main dimensions and levers or spectrums you could say, and anyone falls in any any of those three places. Think about sliders. You know, there's an infinite amount of means to exist, not just who and how you love, but how you also present outwardly to the world and how you feel on the inside to yourself. So if you encounter someone who who uses the pronouns they them. It's okay to ask why right and and the, their journey to that. I think that we've been so conditioned to fear engaging that we kind of we kind of miss the opportunity to have these questions and conversations to unlock people's truths on a very very intimate way and um, just again on the on the pronoun wars beat i think it's just so important to understand that it's more than who you love but it's how you love but it's also a third dimension of how you express yourself inwardly and outwardly and if you are so confident and trusting of the people around you to put yourself out there into this culture war to be seen as something other than a binary, I think there's some grace to be extended to that person too, of of just being able to say, oh, this person trusts me with their story. That little bit, that pronoun is just a little bit of a huge story that I think that deserves acknowledging instead of a, well, here we go sort of reaction, (laughs) which is the knee jerk. But I think that even just a conversation around pronouns has an ability to unlock a lot of a lot of heaviness that you, you might feel at the beginning. You know, that, that interaction you're probably fearing is probably one that will leave you very enlightened. And that's not for that's not my story to tell. It's very much the other parties. But I think really trying to engage some people in that conversation and in their journey and understanding what makes them and they them could be totally different than another person. Who identifies as a she they it's totally different experiences but i think that starting in in that space of just really not fearing engaging people with their own stories will help you tap into your own
1: i love that i love that because you've people living in fear of messing up rather yeah. than saying teach me 100
0: and that really kind of just back to the the just it's back to basics of human engagement conversation you know loving and talking to your neighbors it really that what you just said is exactly what brought me out of the closet again with my status because people in society was telling my story in a way that wasn't true and affecting me in such a negative way turning me down for dating you know just off color hiv jokes at brunch or whatever it doesn't even matter that they, they they didn't know that I was dealing with these certain things. Those conversations and comments should have never happened in the first place. So I draw a lot of similarities and compassion to uh, people who are, are dealing with the same emotional damage and um, emotional struggle and damage um, that that caused me way back, way back when.
1: Who are your dream guests? Obviously other than me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My dream guests? Because if you ever want
1: to do a completely shallow episode, I'm your girl.
0: (laughs) We're going to have to put you on the next slate for sure. The next season. Yeah,
1: but just don't expect depth.
0: Oh my goodness. I can be your
1: April Fool's issue uh, Ah! episode. (laughs) And today we're going to discuss choosing the right fabric. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, my, oh my goodness. You know what, what the, the, the magic of Truth Be Told I've discovered is it's not about just queer experiences. There's a lot of straight cis friends and, and celebs on there. I really want to talk to Brene Brown is one of my, 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 my biggest author idols. She researches shame for living. Mm-hmm. And I would love to unpack that on a very scientific and high level um madonna obviously
1: only if she gives you good seats and backstage (laughs) passes for the tour
0: yes oh my goodness um and let's see here it's it's interesting i really it's hard for me to think of a top tier person only because you're gonna hate this i feel like i have access to everybody and everybody's my friend
1: (laughs) Oh, excuse me. So, really, uh, we have no trouble ever booking the show. It's just, you oh know, they're banging down my door. It's I, will like, say, I like you, but the, fuck you.
0: <laughs> on, that, on that thread, though, on that thread, though, I went into this again, like, you know, cautiously optimistic. Melissa, not one person we've gone out to has said no.
1: That's amazing.
0: Everybody has seen the stories that we are trying to tell or at least has seen my story in my heart and everybody wants their chance to tell their story in their own way. And I think that's the power that we've found in this next season. And that's what kind of energizes me and makes me really electric about the dream bookings are not coming down the way because everyone's experiences are created equal.
1: Okay, quick couple shallow questions.
0: Tell me ask
1: me okay you're like kristen chenoweth who is positive all the time and i asked her this same question okay. are there days that you just want to say truth be told y'all can go fuck yourselves
0: of <laughs> <laughs> a few days a week <laughs> of that so yes go on are you dating i am dating and I will say I'm still very single, very single, <laughs> <clears throat> repeat myself. Just um, if anyone's you know, curious. Just curious. Have any, anyone out there on the group text, <laughs> single friends. Um, I will say in the last few months, Melissa, I've found that dating's fun again. I took a long time off, many years. And I think I just I just bring it back to you are you are you pull in the energy and people that you're outputting. So in a time where I was feeling very desperate and down and alone, that's the kind of people I was pulling in. And now I'm, I feel like I'm meeting really great quality people, dates, matches. I love myself in a way that I didn't. And I think of life in a totally different light. So I am dating Mm. and I'm having having a good time and having fun again. Um, but my calendar is sometimes free out there. (laughs) Anybody?
1: (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll start thinking. Um, okay. Not that you don't have enough on your plate. I am going to ask what's next. And I'm hoping that it's something basic like cleaning out your garage because I don't feel very positive about myself right now (laughs) compared to everything you've accomplished. So answer that, answer that carefully. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: what the next exact thing i'm doing after hang up with you is i'm going to hang with pamela anderson and oh you know Netflix what i'm so done
1: with you premiere in I'm, new york i'm so done <laughs> done with you maybe
0: maybe i'll book her i'll do a live booking oh my tony goodness so, booker producer at heart
1: tony morrison you are <laughs> phenomenal but i really don't like you right
0: now i mean i i will probably pit stop at taco bell on the way back home but okay you know,
1: that makes me feel those are the
0: first few things on my list that, i love a taco bell i dish. can't
1: you got to call me and tell me all about pam can't wait looking forward I, to the book 100% um truth be told second season Just premiered. You are an inspiration. You are lovely to talk to. And I just can't say enough.
0: Appreciate you, Melissa. It's made my life to talk with you, honestly.
1: Low bar, my friend. Low bar. (laughs) at Media Production.